0: Well, 60 minutes later, the Holiday Bowl concludes and Iowa puts up their season high in points and they pretty much shut things down in the second half after USC got an early second half touchdown. But, I mean, what a game, Sean. Uh, David Eichel, Sean Bach here, HawkeyeInsider.com, part 24-7 sports here for an instant reaction Swarmcast. Sean, I mean, what more can be really said? I mean, it was a tremendous all-around game. Maybe one of Brian Ferentz's best games as offensive coordinator. Nate Stanley, steady hand, missed a couple throws, a little low at times, but put together a really stellar game. And Amir Smith-Marset with a receiving touchdown, a kickoff return touchdown, and a rushing touchdown in just the first half. I mean, it really was. And Iowa just throttled USC really from the get-go. I mean, it was a really impressive performance, I think, from Iowa.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at this game coming into it, I don't think you could have drawn it up any other way. Um, I do think coming into this game, Iowa kind of—I don't want to say—I don't want to—I don't want to assume here, but I think Iowa kind of had more of a chip on their shoulder coming into their game. I think everything that's gone on with USC in the past couple weeks kind of took a toll on kind of the players, the and the whole coaching staff too. I think there was a lot of pressure, like we saw at the end of the game, how their defensive coordinator is expected to be fired per a couple reports. So there was some pressure on the inside, some some beef, I guess you could say, within like the coaching staff or even the players too. So, yeah, I mean, Iowa just took it to them. I, felt, I didn't really feel like there was any point in the game where you, were, where you were kind of worried about Iowa choking it, maybe when they made it, when it was closer, when they had like maybe the first two touchdowns when USC – responded with the two touchdowns on back to back drives, maybe that was kinda like, okay, this is this could be a shootout, but I think once Iowa really I think Amir Smith Marset's big, his kicker turn was kind of the kind of the calling card where we were like, okay, this game, Iowa's gonna possibly win this game. I mean what, what was the score at that point? Was it twenty one fourteen?
0: Uh after the kicker turn that made it twenty one fourteen.
1: Yeah. So I feel like that was a big that was a big momentum boost because something like that gets a lot of people going. And that next possession the defense was able to get a stop, which was huge because USC's offense seemed to be picking them apart. And then Slavis going down with an injury was obviously huge too. That was a big that was a big blow because he was really wheeling dealing with St. Brown and Bonds as well. Um and so their running back Fave Malapai or something like that. Um mm-hmm. They were really getting to a group, and having a guy like Suavis go down, who's been so key for them the whole year, having him go down with an injury, not being able to play, and putting in your backup, who did who did well in his appearance in his appearance earlier this year to get him to a victory over Utah. Um, that's still a big that's still a big step to climb. You're not you're not going to overcome that right away, especially with how everything's gone. Like I said, the past couple weeks and just how the game was going too. That's a very that's a very tough hill to overcome. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like I said, if you're Iowa, you couldn't have written it up any better with all that's gone with the program too, with bump Elliott passing, Hayden Fry and Clay Bethard. Um, It just seemed like the perfect ending to the season.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, you know, you see a lot of stuff on social media, you know, people talking about Hayden Fry is probably smiling uh, from from heaven and Iowa did do the hokey pokey in the locker room after the game. Great job by University of Iowa filming that uh, It's kind of trending around Iowa Twitter right now. So a great tribute to him. But I mean, really, it was just a tremendous game from Iowa from the get go. I think Brian Ferentz, I'll tell you what, I think Iowa Twitter and it, everything would have just broke if you Smith-Marset had completed that pass to Brian Smith. And Smith-Marset fessed up after the game like, yeah, it, it was a bad throw. I mean, what a play call. I mean, Iowa really just put everything against the wall. They really left it all out in the field. And how about, I think you bring up a good point. I think the kickoff return number one was, I don't want to say a turning point, but stopped USC from getting that momentum, that next step momentum where you really felt like, okay, USC is about to make a giant run here. And, you know, I, I think Slavis leaving was a huge deal. I mean, for the fact that that kid was, a, I think, a third stringer to start the season, to do what he did this year and to do what he did against Iowa, I mean, that's tremendous. I think he's going to be a very good player for USC in the next few years. And, I, you know, I think it's worth knowing, too, Iowa holding uh, Michael Pittman to six catches for 53 yards and no touchdowns. The guy in 95 catches coming in the season, I mean, that's a great effort. Amon Sam Brown, nine catches, 163 yards, no touchdowns but had that 55-yard catch from Slavis. Uh, that really set up their only third-quarter touchdown, I thought. I, I, I guess I think that kid's going to be a heck of a quarterback. And interestingly enough, I after they scored that, Sean, I tweeted, Iowa has gone 16 straight games without allowing an opponent to score 30 or more points. USC had 24 with 13, 29 to go in the third quarter. Iowa didn't let them score again. I know USC missed a field goal, but, you know, I, I think – it just wasn't Ximing Colbert's day. I think moving Nick Neiman into Colbert's role was a huge deal. Obviously, that pick six in the fourth quarter just put an extra nail in the coffin. But the defense is just so sound. And I, I think we've need. I think we've gone long enough without bringing up A.J. Epinesa. I mean, Epinesa was an absolute monster again today. Uh, two and a half-step fumble. He was in the backfield. It feels like every every second, every third play in that second half, uh, probably could have had opportunity to pick up a couple more sacks. But, I mean, I'll tell you what, with, with his efforts against Nebraska and USC, I mean, it, it was special out there.
1: Yeah, he was he was phenomenal. And with the way that USC's offensive line was doing a pretty good job the first couple of possessions um, and just being able to come out and attack like Epinesa and the rest of the defensive line did was was really impressive. Um, I think we thought earlier in the game, O.J. Moutier, or not, well, not O.J., OJ had a couple missed tackles and a couple missed coverage. Um, so did Kerner and Dane Belton. But you're gonna have you're gonna have moments like those against USC. I thought they did a good job as the game went on adjusting. Surprise, surprise! Iowa finding ways to adjust against really good receiving corps, um, finding ways to adjust and getting more comfortable out there because I think that was that was a big thing. And like you said, putting Neiman out there instead of Colbert. Um, it seemed like Jaiman was getting beat on some of those ones and I don't wanna say Neiman's more athletic, but I think he's a little longer. I think his size would disrupt those guys a little more. I think he can kinda of hang he can hang with some of those guys um with USC a little more than <clears throat> a little more than Jaiman can. But overall you can't you can't go wrong with anything really that this that happened. I mean it was like I said, just a perfect just a perfect ending to a, to a season.
0: A couple quick stat lines I want to bring up. Obviously, Mere Smith-Marset was the offensive MVP, S to the defensive MVPs. I mean, I think both pretty point-blank choices. You had to pick them. Iowa's 49-point score, the second-most score in a bowl game in school history. Iowa had 55 against Texas in the 1984 Freedom Bowl. 49-point score, the second-most allowed by USC uh, this season. And kind of continuing on – Another guy that kind of stood out to me, Sean, was Sam Laporta. Six catches, forty-four yards, both career highs. Look, I think I think he's going to be a guy that catches six to seven touchdowns next year at least. He he really and Joel Clatt was praising him a lot during the game. I think he's going to be a guy that I think the tight ends are going to come back a little bit stronger next year. No offense to Sean Beyer and Nate Weeding; those guys, you know, they did what they had to do. Uh, They did their job with the ten-win Iowa team, but. Laporta brings a new element, and I, I think he kind of put his name on the radar uh, for teams going forward with his performance today. Uh, really, I mean, there's really not too much to criticize, I think, with Iowa tonight. I mean, I think it was just a complete game. I think the spirit of Hay and fry. I think everything was just all on Iowa's side. They did what they had to do, and Nate, Nate Stanley is 3-0 in bowl games, 18-27, 213 yards, two touchdowns. Tyrone Tracy made a couple plays. Amir Smith-Marset made a couple plays. Uh, Brandon Smith making an unbelievable catch after Stanley somehow extended the play, really towing that that line of scrimmage. I At least in real time, I thought he was past it, but uh, shockingly, they didn't review it. But Brandon Smith kind of gets away from the hold, catches it, Iowa touchdown. I mean, Iowa scored the kick return, a pick six, a rushing touchdown. Uh, it, again, it was just pretty phenomenal to watch what Iowa did tonight and kind of encapsulates the spirit of you know, the team this year, they they went through a lot of adversity, obviously, on off the field with everything going on. They put past them, put together their best, you know, a really solid performance today. Um, and now Iowa, 47 wins in the past five years, uh, which is the most in a five-year uh, span in school history. Interestingly enough, too, I thought it was a very fitting tribute. I want to bring this up quickly, Sean, then we'll go to some questions. But Fox Sports, uh, Joel Klott, said that Hayden Fry loved this program. He put the foundation in place for what has become one of the top 10 to 15 programs over the last 10 to 15 years. And I, I, I at least I respect Joel Klotz's opinion. I think he, he knows what he's talking about. He's very, one of the best, I think, analysts. And I think that's a heck of a compliment from a guy that high up about, you know, where Iowa's kind of gone under Kirk Ferentz and really giving, I thought he gave Hayden a pretty fitting tribute uh, nearing the end of that game. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I really don't have much else to say other than just with everything, everything that's happened in the past couple of weeks, um, and just everything that's that's gone into the season. I mean, the program. I think. I think Joe Clot said. I mean, it's easy to easy to look at this game and be like, okay, yeah, Iowa Iowa's a program that's ten, top 10, 15 in the country. Because, I mean, people would – a lot of fans would kill to have a program – like to cheer for a program like Iowa that um, is consistently just productive and just produces and is not a program that has much trouble in the on the inside or any real kind of just issues that some of these other ones have. I mean, you see what's going on with USC now and all the issues there. And it's hard to really think that that would ever happen at Iowa just based on the program and, the like, just the tradition that they've built in the past couple of years under Ferencz and Fry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're the nail on the head. And obviously we'll dive much more into this game and much more recapping the season on HawkeyeInsider.com in the following weeks. I uh, just want to get a quick instant reaction podcast up. Uh, we did have a couple questions. Let me let me get back to this, um, some of the replies. But, yeah, Sean, I think you brought up – I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. I, I think it shows a lot for this team. You know, they, they fell short of the Big Ten West. You know, a lot of people were hurt by it. Iowa fans, Iowa players, coaches were all hurt by it. But the ability for them, I think, to be able to take a step back, realize the 10-win season is still in front of them, and to be able to go out there and do it especially with wins against Minnesota, USC. I, I think it speaks pretty highly to to what the te- this team actually was uh, this season. Keep in mind, Iowa, three losses. They they lost to Michigan by seven. They lost to Penn State by five, and Wisconsin by two, and they could have had all three of those games. Iowa's probably going to be a top 13, 14 team uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, that that's just a really good year. I think it's a really good year for Iowa, 10 wins has only happened eight times in school history, the ninth being tonight. So, you know, good time with that. Uh, first question, should Iowa spend the next six months in a cave trying to find a way to beat Wisconsin? I mean, I, I feel like you don't want to take anyone for granted. Look, Nebraska's going to be better next year. Purdue's not going to be bad next year. They're going to have Rondale Moore and David Bell. I don't care who the quarterback is. You got Rondale Moore, you got David Bell. Uh You got Penn State and Ohio State back to back road trips against them. That's not going to be easy. Uh, So no, I I wouldn't say that. But you know, you get Wisconsin at home, and you know, I think Iowa really is. I don't want to say long overdue for a win, but the the fans and the players and the coaches are kind of in in suffering for that. kind of agree with that, Sean.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I do think the Big Ten. There's going to be a lot more, a lot more talent all around. I think this year there were. It was mainly top heavy with when you got uh, Ohio State and then Penn State um, and Wisconsin as well. Um, I think those were kind of. I don't know about Wisconsin coming into you that they were a clear cut top team, but they were definitely one that you look at and are like, okay, they could be they could be contenders because they're Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, my I,
0: Jonathan Taylor is still undecided about his future too.
1: Okay, but he's got to go to the NFL. There's,
0: I think I, I have think a hard so time.
1: Too. I have a hard time seeing him not just based on the year. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have three years where you're that good, then I think he should really, really be something. You should consider going to the next level.
0: Uh, next one. What was the play calling that good, or was USC's defense not as good as most Big Ten teams? Sean, Sean, I'll let you take Lee on this one. I think
1: it's a mix of both. Um, I didn't think USC's defense has been all that impressive. I think they were pretty young and they were hit with hit with injuries throughout the year and just moving around and stuff. Um, And we saw, too, today that after the game that their defensive coordinator is expected to go. So I think that kind of tells you a bit about their defense as a whole. But I also want to give a decent amount of credit to Brian Farrings because I thought he called one of their better games, whether that's just the execution was better or – um, just USC's defense wasn't ready for it, or what? Whatever it was that went into it, I think you have to give you have to give some props to Brian there because some of those plays that we saw, like the Amir Smith Marset trick play, where he was going to throw it out to Brandon Smith for a touchdown. When have we seen that this year? We haven't. Same thing with those reverses too. They weren't double reverses; they were still verse reverses to two of Iowa's quickest quickest players on the field. So. And it really got the defense too on both of them. And Nate Stanley, like I know this doesn't have to do with I mean, it has to do with execution, but like I said, Stanley probably played his most one of his better games as an Iowa Hawk guy. Just from a pure standpoint, just making reads. I mean, early on in the game he wasn't really out of bowling, out of much. I mean, there were a couple of plays where you're kinda of like, Why do you see the guys blitzing on the outside off the edge? Like why you why you run a run play right up the middle or right to that side? Um that kind of, those plays kind of make you scratch your head. But I think as the game went on, he started to get more comfortable with that. And just like some of the throws he made too, you're like, Holy crap. how is he making those with that tight of window? I mean, we know he's got a great arm. Um, accuracy can be an issue from time to time, but he's still got one of the better arms in the big 10, maybe even college football. When you look at the whole body of work too, and how the NFL teams still like his upside and a lot of, scouts and media like what he brings to the table as far as his size and just his arm Um, becoming more mobile too I would say but I do think I do think a lot of it it's kind of a mix going back to the initial questions kind of just USC's defense is not all that great it's definitely not one of the classic USC defenses Um, but I do think you have to give you have to tip your hat to Brian Ferris in this case too.
0: Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think you got to give credit. to First of all, Nate Stanley, I think, is going to be an early day three guy, and I think he's going to be a, have a nice career in the NFL. I'm not saying he'll become a starter, but, you know, he'll be a journeyman. He'll be a veteran backup guy. He'll get some snaps. I, you know, he's got the skill set. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind there. Yeah, I mean, USC's defense, they have a couple of good players. Uh, I, I believe Talanoa Alfunga was tremendous. Safety, forced a fumble, tackling machine really all over. And they have some athletes. But, look, you can't take any credit away from Brian Ferentz. I think that first half, all the reversals that worked, had him absolutely fooled, uh, didn't, did stuff, you know, not in Iowa's typical mold of plays, got the ball the playmakers and space. I mean, I I think he put together a very solid performance. Uh, you know, I don't want to say similar to the Ohio State one because that one isn't a category of its own. But, you know, if a USC coach is telling you, you know, Scott Dockman from the Athletic tweeted that uh, USC coach muttered, man, Iowa's got some special athletes Post game, A USC coach is saying that about Iowa. I mean, I didn't think I'd ever be alive and hear, hear something like that. But Brian gave the playmakers the ball in space. So I, I've always been in the mindset, Sean, that you can't punish a good performance because of the quality of the opponent. They did what they were supposed to do, and Iowa was not supposed to do that. USC doesn't have a great defense but Iowa's offensive struggle in the red zone and Iowa took care of business. They did what they were supposed to do. And I think it'd be unfair to give USC's defense more blame than giving Brian Ferentz credit. You know, I I think both played a factor, but Brian Ferentz and the offense I think got done. So kind of continuing on this course. uh, Worfs looks sad. AJ looks on his side. Thoughts on stay or leave? I mean, no inside information, Sean. I think you and I are both in agreement. They got to go. The money's there. I don't want to say it's foolish to return. I know Joel Clott said that, you know, people inside the program, some of them wouldn't be shocked if AJ came back. And, look, I, I don't – I'm not – this is off no inside info. I wouldn't be totally shocked. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing I've ever heard. But it would take me by surprise. I mean, I think the, the guaranteed money is there. I think AJ Epinesa would do very well in – The combine, I think he'd make a name for himself. I think he'd be a top 15. I think he should be a top 10 pick. I think worfs after the workouts, if he gets in the combine, he's a top 5 pick, I think. I really do. I think with the upside he has, top 5, top 10. So, I think it's going to be hard to turn down money.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I do think if there was one to come back, I think it would probably be Epinesa, but yeah. I don't know. I, there's still, there's yeah. still some time in that. They haven't really given us like a timeline or anything. Or It could honestly just be out of anywhere, out of nowhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, just stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for that. I mean, you know, they have till the 20th this year, so it's a little bit extra time. I'm sure they're going to want to, you know, kind of kick back, relax, and enjoy, um, you know, some time before they have to decide. Sean, when does uh, when does school resume
1: um, for, for Iowa? Uh, that's a good question. The day after Martin Luther King Day.
0: It's like January 12th or 13th or something.
1: No, it's January, like, 21st or 22nd, I think. I could be wrong.
0: Okay. I I thought that would have been interesting if, you know, the the classes started and, you know, they're supposed to report back or whatever. And, you know, I thought maybe that could have some writing on the wall. So, I mean, I think we'll hear middle of next week, late next week. I think they're going to take some time and enjoy themselves. Um, And they said they hadn't gotten the feedback back, which it's kind of interesting. So, if that's the case, we'll see how long that – That last, but no, I I think they both go. Um, yeah, really quick. Continuing on, Welch played solid. How big was it for Nick Neiman to come in, Sean? It we kind of touched on that already, didn't we? Neiman really played a huge role,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. He, yeah, you can take this one,
0: yeah, yeah. I I think Neiman played the best one of the best games of his career. That pick six was really good by him. Uh, the more length he had, you know, I, I think just the complexity of Iowa's defense changed and they stopped just getting, they stopped getting beat. I mean, really, I know, I think the DB sharpened up after that. I think the defensive line was getting so much pressure on the quarterback. That almost didn't matter at that point because it seemed like every play, they were really starting just to get back there. Uh, So, I mean, I, you know, I I thought that Neiman played one of his best games of his career. Uh, Yeah. Somebody said it was really cool to see, uh, both the MVPs kind of hype up their teammates and give credit their teammates. I, you know, you just don't see a lot of stuff like that. Uh, down to our last couple ones. This isn't really a question, Sean, but I want your thoughts on this because I was really curious. How about Iowa going back to back to back quarterback sneaks? <laughs> That's not I one mean, of the best things you've seen in a bowl game.
1: I mean, I wish they got. I wish they were able to go to that fourth one. That would have been. That would have been something. But the refs had to review it. Um. Yeah, that was. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think a lot of Iowa fans are hoping Spencer Petrus or whoever is the next Iowa quarterback, starting quarterback, can do can do similar things. Because if you think about, it, like, how many times do you really think that failed them on fourth down or third down in short yard situations? Like, I can't remember a uh, time. When, maybe like once, if yeah. that.
0: You know, it was interesting. I think Scott Dockerman tweeted a stat after Iowa – after they reversed – not reversed the call, but they confirmed Stanley is down before the end zone, which, by the way, I don't think the replay booth had their best night. (laughs) Uh, One, it took forever. And two, I think they got some obvious calls wrong. But I thought Stanley was in. But when Stanley is marked short of that touchdown, Sean, it was the first time he said all year that Iowa's QB sneaks went for no yardage. On like wow. 30 some attempts, That's which is crazy. absolutely. And I will say this. I think the internet would have broken if Iowa had, had done it a fourth time in a row, they would have gotten in, but the internet would have absolutely broken. And it, it, that, that three minute tre- like time span on Twitter and everything was just tremendous. I mean, everyone was just losing their mind over it. And it was, I, I said, it was kind of, it's kind of Iowa football in a nutshell when they do something like that. I mean, that, that's what Iowa prides himself on. It was just it was interesting to see. Yeah, it was
1: I don't know, man. Maybe maybe we'll see some of that next year. I don't know. Petrus has got yeah, yeah. he's got the build for it.
0: Yeah. It, you know, I think Stanley is more bulky than Petris. I and mean, they're the same height and similar weights, but I think Stanley just looks stronger. But we'll see. I think I think Petris has some toughness to him, but you know, it's a high bar to live up to after what Stanley did this year. Uh, last right. quick question. Can a win like this help California recruiting? I just don't think Iowa's gonna go to California to recruit. I know they got Petrus, but that was late in the process. I, I just don't think they wanna I don't want to say waste, but waste time and money and resources to go out there when they've been successful with what they got now. And hey look, if you're trying to get established in California with all the you know the local schools, like if USC gets back up to where they I think should be. Look, you're not going to be stealing top players out of there. I I think Iowa should stick with what they're doing. But with that being said, I think the the win over USC and the way they did it can help on the recruiting trail in general because even, you know, Sean, like your generation, my generation, kids five, seven years younger than you, they remember stuff like this. They, They know USC. They see USC as a blue blood. So for Iowa to go out there and to literally double their point total you bet Iowa's going to use it on the recruiting trail wherever they go. Not even just California. I'm talking Georgia, Florida, Colorado. If they get back into there, Illinois. I mean, it, at least that to me, that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to really put that on like one, on like maybe one game. I mean, yeah, you could use it for sure, but I also think like. Just, I mean, I bet recruit. I bet they sell recruits on this too. It's just the way the program's being run. There's really no issues, nothing like that. But also, just I know it's cliche and we talk about it, but just the consistency. And it's like you got a program like USC where things are so like on the edge, like everything. Like Clay Helton literally seemed just based on the way some of the writing, just like the fans react excuse me, literally seems like he's on his last life here. And mm-hmm. Ferentz and who's ever the head coach behind him seems to really like, like they're not going anywhere. Like there's nothing, there's going to be no turnover in the program, which is something that recruits very really like. They don't want to have a lot of coaching changes. They want to be coached by the same coach or the same, primarily the staff for however long they're there for, because that's what they were recruited to play for, and that's who recruited them. They don't want to, they don't want to have to go, uh, play under someone else that really has a different message or won't approve. Because then they'll look into transferring and all that. They want to be comfortable where they're at for the four or five years that they're in college.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean Iowa absolutely throttling USC, forty nine twenty four. Tremendous game plan all around by Brian Ferentz, Phil Parker's adjustments. I think in the second half were crucial. Emir Smith-Marset, I think kind of really putting the nation on notice that I think he's going to be Iowa's next all-conference wide receiver next year. I mean, he's a guy who I think could really explode next year if he didn't already explode this year. I mean, tremendous, uh, unbelievable performance by him. This will give Iowa momentum going in next year. Nate Stanley's career is done 3-0 in bowl games. And I think tonight was a night where everyone kind of appreciated Nate Stanley a little bit more. You know, he's kind of been... A hot target for criticism, and granted, some of it rightfully so, but a little bit much at times, at least I feel like. But we'll be back next week to dive into this and much more. But Iowa ends regular season 10-3, looking like they're going to be a top uh, 15 team to end the season. So a very good performance from Iowa this season. Stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com and 24-7 Sports for the latest in college football news, especially on your Iowa Hawkeyes. David Gold and Sean Bach. We'll catch you next time.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game.